Majuna Trimanandasha, Jina Jina Salakaya, Chakshun Militanyena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Vajkapadu Bhischa, Kripasin Bhivacha, Patitanam Pavade Bhu, Vaishnavijinamu Namaha. So, good evening. Thank you for coming to class this evening. Tonight we're going to go through a couple showers as we spoke last uh, last time uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti's uh, Madhuri Kadamani deals primarily with sadhana bhakti when we say sadhana bhakti we refer to look when we look at bhakti as being as a practice that's going from one stage to another, if we look in broad categories, we have devotional service and practice, devotional service and ecstasy, and devotional service and pure love of God. Now those correspond, devotional service and practice corresponds with all of the stages of devotional practice up to and including asakti. And then devotional service and ecstasy is bhava, and then, of course, prema. His Madhurya Kadamani presentation deals primarily with devotional service in practice. And he touches upon prema, and he touches upon bhava, but his in-depth discussion, we're covering the majority. And the majority actually is up through the stage of steadiness. So the book is really, really meant for uh, a comprehensive understanding of the beginning stages of our practice. And I think it's important to note that there's some tremendous benefit in understanding the beginning stages of devotional practice. And at the beginning stage, of course, the characteristic is is tender faith. We're still a little unsure. We're unsure about not so much the practice. If we've come to the platform of accepting the bona fide spiritual master, we're pretty sure this is this would be good for me taking up this practice. Our tender faith comes from the fact that we're not really sure we could pull it off. Of course, that whole conception in and of itself is is wrongly founded because if we look at our devotional practice as something we have to pull off, then there's every chance we're going to stumble and fall quite a bit. And we notice that the defining characteristic of the stage of steadiness, Nista, is the profound humility that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brings out in the third verse of his exhausticum. Absolute and total humility. So that absolute and total humility is a is a position of of complete dependence. We realize our position is, is one of of dependent. We're lower than the straw in the street. We're devoid of of any conception of false prestige. False prestige meaning that the practice 
relies more heavily on what I put into it than the merciful dispensation coming to me from those that have invited me to participate in the first place. So somehow or other we've received a very unique invitation but when we come, we come with the baggage of material conditioning which is centered around ignorance and the first manifestation of that ignorance is false ego. We've built our whole existence around the I, me, mine scenario. And that whole scenario in material life has us believing that everything's under our control. I'm the richest, I'm the most powerful, the most beautiful, this, that, and another thing is is drummed into us by the modes of material nature repeatedly. You are this body. Well, the devotees also, we we are this body, but this body is given to us by the guru. And besides this body, he's also going to give us a perfected body as we become more and more perfect. So this this understanding that Vishwanath is giving us of the beginning stages is is quite beneficial. Just coming to an understanding of of the generous dispensation of Bhakti and her complete and total independence. That we're not the doer, we're invited to participate. And what we can do is we can increase our level of participation. And to that degree, we will call our progress. But our progress is one of of making ourselves a, a worthy recipient of, of the mercy coming down to us through Krishna's specific mercy shakti, kripa shakti which is dispersed by his devotees. So we, we talked about, about the stage of Nista and its characteristics uh, as Vishwanath outlined them. And before we go to the stage of Ruchi, of taste, I want to quickly review those. So they're the fourth shower of nectar. The fourth shower of nectar is dealing with steadiness. The first thing Vishwanath points out is the steadiness is characterized by a release from, a diminishing of specific characteristics of bhajana kriya, anista bhajana kriya. So he's saying here, when you can see that these things are not having a profound influence on your bhajan, then you know you are nearing the stage of ruchi. I've been really thinking about that. I mean, what a, what, a, what a profound thing that we're being given here in this, in this Madhurya Kadambani, to be able to, to recognize the symptoms of the disease and recognize their diminishing and increasing 
the modes of, of ignorance and passion diminishing uh, and the mode of goodness turning into purified goodness where there's no motivation other than spiritual purity. So to be able to recognize these things and see that that I'm making progress. My progress may be very slow, but I can recognize some changes have happened. And some of the things that Vishwanath talked about here, I can see. I've, I've kind of dealt with that. I've gone through that. I've gone through that initial enthusiasm. I came, I enjoyed the initial enthusiasm, and it did kind of wear off after a while. But I'm still here. I'm still practicing. Well, look. Look at the progress. You don't want to say, well, I've made no progress. That's, no. You look. Well, look. You went through this stage. He talked about Utsahamai, and you experienced it. And you're still here. And you know sometimes you run hard, and sometimes you run cold. And sometimes, you know, so we can go through all those six symptoms of Anista Bhajana Kriya. And we can see, yes, these things, you know, I always, sometimes even now I think, if I change my position, then I can really apply myself. Maybe I'll get married. Maybe I'll take on saffron. Maybe I'll move to another sangha. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my service. Maybe I'll do this. You know, we think so many things. Oh, well, I don't really care what I do anymore. I'm just happy to be around. I'm happy you guys haven't kicked me out. That's good enough for me. So there's a stage. I used to think I can make these changes and it'll make me a better devotee. I found out it didn't matter wherever I went. My forehead went with me. So that's a stage that Vishwadha's pointing out. It's like, wow, I can see that. Here, this great sadhu has come and he's given us this handbook and he's taken us by the hand and showed us you can come, you can make it through this stage of sadhana bhakti. You can go through these stages. You can see them having an effect. And you can see, oh, well, now the devotees, I've been around for 30 years and, and people like, they when I walk by, they go, oh, they don't realize what's going on on my mind and senses, but hey. And then I let that go to my head, and then all of a sudden I forget that I'm, 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 uh, that's not the way to make advancement. Well, that's a recognition at least of the fact that, hey, you know, the, trying to ride the waves of the benefits of bhakti. You know, oh, somebody said I dressed the deities nicely. Oh, just see. I got it together. So we see these things in our practice. Vishwanath pointed them out and we can see, yes, how glorious that is to be able to diagnose ourselves. It's a great quality to be able to see and deal with honestly and intellectually where we are in our practice. So Nista, coming to Nista, he says there's five obstacles here and if you see these obstacles you know you're experiencing them or experience them in your devotional life, 
And when you see that their effects are not so pronounced that they interfere with your hearing and chanting and your service, then you're getting to that platform where there's some there's going to be some good steadiness. After that, everything's coming up roses. Doesn't mean there's not going to be other struggles. Doesn't mean there's not going to be lingering and these things aren't going to pop up. But it means I I actually can come to the stage of Nista. Wow, what if it takes me 20 years? Do we even recognize how elevated the stage of steady devotional practice is? What if it takes a whole lifetime? Or two or three? It's a great, it's such a magnificent platform to be steady in your devotional practice to, to, your, to your glorious masters. What a great accomplishment that is. A benediction coming to us when the sadhus see that we're sincere in our humble request to receive their mercy. Then they're giving us this benediction of advancement. So these last five major obstacles Vishwanath brings up, we go over them. First one is what? How we sleep when we're trying to do bhajan. As I said, I've even seen devotees sleep in a kirtan, standing up, swaying back and forth. They're, they're somewhere else. Sleep. Engaging in mundane talks. Laya, viksepa, apratapati, even though you're not sleeping, and even though you're not speaking about things that aren't harikatha, because you haven't yet developed the taste for that, which is what we're going to talk about at the stage of Ruchi, the taste is such that your tastes are starting to change. But until that stage, we have to we have to follow the Guru's directions. Show up for the Kirtan. Show up for the Japa period. Apply yourself. In a, after a while, the sleep won't get in your way. After a while... The flickering mind that immediately after the class or after the kirtan or after the japa we want to go and, and, and engage in, in, in talk that isn't about Krishna. We're still attracted to our material affairs. Well, don't be upset about it. You've been here a long time. It's a lot of conditioning. We're coming with a lot of baggage. We love this stuff. We've loved it. It's drug us from a, one body to another since time immemorial. So the fact that it's still lingering is not a not a not something to get hung up. We don't need to go through a psychosis here because we don't think of Krishna twenty four hours a day. Actually, it's proof of the power of bhakti that we don't yet think of Krishna all twenty four hours a day. Bhakti is that process where we are gradually purifying ourselves and there is some thinking of Krishna. Then, despite the fact that I'm not falling asleep and I'm, I'm, I'm not really distracted by talk, I, I sometimes I'm just not enthusiastic. i just just not there today. I don't feel like it. I want to stay in bed. But I don't want to sleep. I just don't want to do anything. Just I want to be... I, I just... I need to step back here. Despite that, the fourth item he speaks of is... Kasaya, 
old habits. Now, if we're lucky, the old habits will not be gross, gross things like we're not going to go out behind the barn and smoke a cigarette. Old habits are there. That's to be expected. And then once in a while, the old habits, the old states of mind, and not the not the habits of enjoying the senses, but the gross, you know, the the gross enjoyment of sense gratification, comes again. So there's two distinctions here. Kasaya means means the mental states, anger, greed, and then the last one is rasavada, and that's the actual engagement in sense gratification. You have a taste. You still have a taste for sex life. You still have a taste for gross sense enjoyment. So these five items, Vishwanath points out, and what he says is, when these things, which may still linger in us, don't interfere with the bhajan, with the hearing, the chanting, remembering, the nine main angas, when those aren't adversely affected. We do get up. We do go to the class. We do do our japa. We do engage in the process. Then we're coming to the stage of nista. It's a character we can see. These things are there. Sometimes they interfere. When their interference is lessened to a point that I'm there. I'm doing it. It's 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 something I'm not going to miss. I'm not going. I'm not going to let this stand in my way. It's a fact. I may get angry once in a while. It's a fact that greed may come in. It's a fact, you know, that I may become uh, jealous or envious of of a devotee. These things may come in me, but I'm not going to let it drag me down. I'm not going to let it take over my devotional practice. I'm going to continue to chant no matter where my mind wants to go. I'm going to continue to practice, no matter, you know, the fact that I, that I, you know, that once in a while I just, I, I just fall asleep. When these things are not interfering, we're coming near to, near to Nista. Then he speaks of two characteristics of Nista that we need to be aware of. Saksat Bhakti Vartini and Tad Anukula Vastu Partini. The first one is related to the utilization of our material facilities in the practice of bhakti. We were somewhat steady in what? In applying our minds, in applying our voice, in applying our body to our devotional practice. So these these characteristics of engaging the mind, engaging the engaging the the voice, engaging the body in service in a regulated way is a characteristic of steady practice. Observable. Something we can see. I do come, I do show up, I do, you know, these things are there and they're steady. Welcome. And the other is Tadanakula Vastuvatini. And that relates to our mental state. How we're relating mentally to our practice. 
and that mental attitude is steady. So we're able to maintain humility, respectfulness, friendliness, compassion, uh, gratefulness. We're grateful for the fact that we're engaged in the process. So these mental attitudes are there in a fixed way. Again, we're talking Nista, fixed. We're fixed in our practice. So, these two divisions of characteristics, we're fixed in the way we execute our devotional service, and we're fixed in the way we maintain mental equilibrium during that practice. And we have those nice characteristics of a steady devotee. So this, these are the items that Vishwanath brings out when he, when he looks at what is steady devotion. Five, five items are falling away and these characteristics of our practice with our voice, with our body, with our minds become steady And our mental attitude is, is situated in characteristics which are observable in steadiness. Then he concludes Nista Bhajna Kriya by bringing out the point that what's observable from the outside is generally the best is a good indicator. So, what do we observe in those devotees who are steady? They have these characteristics. They're, tr- they're humble. They're truly caring, concerned. Remember, we're talking about the stage of, again, we're in the stage of initial practice. And it's pointed out in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, There's two characteristics of devotional service and practice. The first two leaves. Kleshagna, which means the the ignorance and the influence of material nature is diminished. Ignorance coming in five kleshas. And sinful reaction experienced in four different ways but observably parabda karma is diminished that means even in this very life even in this very life what we experience as a result of our past pious or impious activities its influence on the material body actually diminishes it actually is, is, it recedes, it re- dissolves. Just engaging in bhakti dissolves karma. That's like one of those little pills, pop, pop, you know, fizz, fizz. Old rule, what a relief it is. All the, all the hard karma that's, that's in our heart is actually, you know, it, it's, it's just going off. Um, 
it's an amazing thing. So this, these characteristics of Kleshagni and Subhada. So Subhada, what's that auspiciousness? What are the characteristics of that auspiciousness? Sri Rupa Goswami points out in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that that auspiciousness is re- recognized first of all in the fact that the devotee he has affection for every living entity. This shows his 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 good fortune, Subhada. The other thing is the devotee is recognized by other living entities and they're attracted to him. So he has affection for every living entity. It's coming, it's manifesting through his practice and all the other living entities are having some, some they're, they're having some attraction to him. All the good characteristics, the spiritual characteristics that are the, the nature of the pure spirit soul, which are a tiny fragmental portion of, of Krishna's unlimited characteristics, they're manifest. So this is Subhada, this is. And the last thing, well, there's a joy, there's a happiness in that. So these things are the manifestation coming in for the first leaves, Kleshagna, Subhada, during the practice of Sadhana Bhakti. And these just increase more and more as we go through Bhava Bhakti and Prem Bhakti. The analogies given of just as the material universe and you can understand these characteristics in that this way, just as the material universe, we start with with what? The one thing, sound. One sense perception. Sound. It's in the ether. Then the next elements coming, air. Air has sound. And what? Smell. Touch. Touch. We can feel the air. Then we come to what? Fire. Fire has all three characteristics of what? It has the sound, it has the touch, the feel, and what? It has a form. You can see. Then from that we go to water and we add taste. So in water we have all four characteristics. Then we come to the earth and we add smell. The fifth sense is there. So similarly, these characteristics of Kleshagna, Subhada, they're manifest, and they just increase going through to the as the other characteristics manifest in the stage of Bhava Bhakti and Prem Bhakti. It's rarity, the fact that it's only, only, only way to please Krishna that those that have. Uh, devotional practice they they defy even the sense of liberation even though all these characteristics are manifesting in the stage of the steady devotee and they're seen in him sometimes that may not be the best of indicators although it is a very strong indicator 
is what Vishwanath says here. It's a very strong indicator when you see somebody with all these great qualities, they're 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 steady devotee. But of course, some people come to devotional service situated in the mode of goodness, and they already have these qualities, but they're not yet steady in their devotional practice. So, although it's a great determiner of who is the steady devotee, it's not the absolute determiner. So, Vishwanath ends up by saying, slackness or intensity in chanting and hearing are the best criteria for determining Nista. The others are good. He doesn't dismiss them. But this chanting and hearing when when the devotee is extremely fixed in this, this is the best determiner of who is anista and who is anista, steady and unsteady. One thing that comes out in the commentary here by Ananta Das Babaji, he mentions something about the uh, this the fact that the the nista bhakti, somebody at nista, is extremely grateful. And he makes a comment here I thought was worth highlighting. Bhakti Devi does not establish her seat in the heart of a narrow-minded and ungrateful person. The fifth shower is dealing with what? What's after Nista? Ruchi. <gasps> Taste. Vishwanath says, the coin, the gold coin of Bhakti illuminated by the fire of devotion Devotional practices by its splendor gives rise to ruchi in the heart of a devotee. Ruchi means a special taste in every devotional part, such as chanting, hearing, and so on. In this stage, a sadhaka never feels the slightest fatigue, even by repeated hearing and chanting. Ruchi quickly causes a devotee intense absorption in hearing and chanting. Now there's a real taste. That's what we're talking about at Ruchi. The devotee, it's... it's. There's no taste. What's, what's Sri Shaitanya? Bhaktivinoda has, has, has you know, given us uh, some sequence to these verses of Sikhsasticum. And this four, fourth verse, which is to exemplify the stage of Ruchi, is saying what's what is the characteristic? Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kavitramva Jagadisha Kamaye, Mama Janmani, Janmani Sure, Bhavatad Bhaktir, Haitaki Twai. I have no desire. The material desires are not doing it for me anymore. I just can't get off where I used to find pleasure is not giving me pleasure. I don't desire the women. I don't desire the big position. I don't desire the respect of the man in the world doesn't mean a hill of beans to me anymore. I really don't care what people think about me. I just want to worship Krishna. That's that's the be-all and end-all of my life right now. This is the stage of Ruchi. And what is the characteristic? And guess what? You can't even pull me away from this taste of wanting Krishna by offering me some liberation. 
If it takes a million lifetimes, I'm, I'm good with that. I have no prog- problem. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Mama Janmini, Janmini Suri. So, now, now a true taste for the practice of devotion is coming. A true taste for the practice. Not only we study, but we like it. Not only can we be there and show up and not have things that were getting in the way pull us down. Not only am I good in my in following the direction of the guru and steady in the practice not only do i have the mental characteristics of of being able to remain in the proper space mentally to do devotional service in such a way that i don't commit offenses that i don't offend the the devotees the sadhus that i'm serving with not only that but I'm starting to like this a little bit. I, I, I actually I like to chant my rounds. And I, I, I like to read. I like what I'm reading. And it's giving me a taste. A taste that's so sweet that all the other things I used to like, just as I said, they're not doing it for me anymore. This appreciation at the stage of Ruchi is an appreciation that manifests in the intellect of the devotee. He recognizes it with his intelligence. He recognizes the the sweetness of chanting the sweetness of the Bhagavatam the sweetness of serving the deity and the devotee and the spiritual master intellectually it manifests in the intellect you mean as opposed to the heart as opposed to it's, it's intellectually Intellect predominates in the practice. It's done with determination. There's a determined intent. I chant, I taste the sweetness. I, it's a determined effort on the part of the sadhaka at this stage. As the sadhaka comes into the platform of attachment, a sakti, then it becomes spontaneous. Nothing stands in the way. There's another distinction between the stage of ruchi and a sakti. And the other distinction is ruchi, we're attracted, as I said, intellectually to 
the process, the chanting, the reading. We're getting our taste, our enjoyment from those practices of devotional service. Both Ruchi and Asakti are, are pretty much hand in hand. It's, it's interesting to understand these subtleties. An Asakti, it's Krishna. Krishna and Krishna's qualities become the Visaya. They become the object. You understand? So in the beginning, when we look at Ruchi, what's the object? The object is the engagement, the chanting, the reading, the dressing, the cooking, the serving, the pleasing the spiritual master. These things is where the sweetness is coming from. We're developing a culture of enjoying spiritual life. That is what is the nature of one that's been blessed with bhakti. So at first it's coming, the taste, the sweetness is coming through engagement in the process and the different angas of bhakti. As we're coming through the stage of ruchi and into the stage of asakti, well, what's Sri Chaitanya? How does he characterize it? Again, we go back to Sixastikam. Ainanda Tanuja. I I gotta live where Krishna's at. I gotta I gotta be in the house of Nanda and then I gotta I Krishna takes over. Attachment, that's what we're talking, a sakti. Attachment to the object of our worship. Ruchi is attachment to our worship. It's sweet. The worship's sweet. Why? Because it's part of it's it's Krishna, it's bhakti. We're attached to that. But then we become more attached to the object of the bhakti. That's a sakti. We want to live in the house of Nanda. We want to be with Krishna. Then all of a sudden, all the all this sudden in the world becomes, well, I don't, if I'm not with Krishna... If I'm not tasting the sweetness of Krishna, if I'm not seeing his form, then pluck these eyes out. Who in the hell made them blink in the first place? What a foolish creator that was. I can't take it. So these are the, these are the distinguishing characteristics, yes. So Swami says that um, it's the actions that drive your taste, then later it's the taste that drives your actions. That's what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And in Ruchi, it's kind of like you're gaining your taste of like uh, your attraction to Krishna, like in what Rasa, right? That's kind of what you were talking about. Well, I've heard Gurudev say that, and then it kind of made sense with what you were talking about. Yes, Ruchi, we're 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 it's beginning really to taste. Well, we're we're we are tasting. That is Ruchi. We are tasting. It's not just beginning. We're tasting enough that we don't want any more of those things that we used to live for. Now we're living for the service itself. And once we start living for the service, 
and relishing the service, then the object of the service starts to manifest themselves to such an extent that we only want the object of the service. So, the intellect drives us through the stage of ruchi, at the stage of asakti, the spontaneity, the the now we're really the, the love is becoming more and more condensed, and it's spontaneous. We can't. The intellect can come and go, but I gotta have Krishna. It's not that I'm thinking I gotta have Krishna. I'm, I gotta have Krishna. Vishwanath then goes, comes in the stage again. We're at the stage of Ruchi. We're in this fifth cloud bank, and he he gives an explanation of how we can look at, and he gives a couple examples how we can look at the stage of Ruchi and how it develops in the Sadika. So these are just like this is a broad explanation. He uses the analogy of the small, uh, the young. Brahmana boy in the in the ashram of his guru. In the beginning, he's reading, he's studying the scriptures, but he doesn't really have a taste. So it's it's a forced process. Well, that's sadhana bhakti in the beginning. It's we we have to kind of force ourselves, or the guru's forcing us, whichever way, whatever works for us, whatever. The job's getting done, whether he's coming in and waking us up in the morning and say get up to Mangalarti or you know whatever there's some force there but now we're talking about so the Brahmana boy in the beginning he's he's engaged in his studies under the direction of the guru but it's unsteady and it's it's not giving him much taste but as he continues then he does develop a taste and the, t- the, the taste itself becomes the impelling force. He wants to read the books because now they're starting to fit together. Now the pieces are starting to make sense. Now everything the guru said is starting to, is starting to you know, everything is starting to click into place. The puzzle's coming together. It's like, I, I got to read that again. I gotta. I now it's. I gotta read that. That that now. It, now I and then I read it again, and it's like, oh, but there was another gem there. Well, let me let me look at all the fa- aspects and all the facets of that gem because that's a whole other way of looking at it. So he becomes enthralled by the studies. So he gives this example of the Brahmana boy. He also brings in the example of what, of the jaundiced patient. In the beginning, he has, he, because of the disease, he has no taste for the cure for the disease. Uh, but the physician says, well, you, you need to take rock hard sugar candy, rock candy. You take this and it'll, your Janice says, no, it doesn't taste good. It's bitter. I don't want to eat it. He says, well, it's like medicine. <laughs> but as he becomes cured, he realizes, actually, this stuff is pretty sweet. I'm liking this. The jaundice is gone, then he's like, well, yeah, can I have some more? 
In the beginning, he couldn't even hardly get him to take it, and now it's like you can't get him to stop. <laughs> so this is the stage of Ruchi. So he's giving these examples. The Brahmana boy and the sugar candy for the jaundice patient. Well, then he says, you got to love Vishwanath. I mean, he all, he's always taking things. He's tearing them apart. He's like, well, actually, it's in two parts. It's Ruchi. It's not, it's, I know I said it's like this, but really, now let's tear it apart. It actually comes in two different, two different flavors. Okay? So let me tell you about the two flavors of Ruchi. One flavor, in the beginning of Ruchi is is nourished and appreciated according to the qualities of the practice. The outfit I'm putting on the deity has to be gorgeous. The jewelry has to be the finest rare gems. The leader of the kirtan has to be able to not only sing in tune, but keep a melody. The person that's speaking has to speak in such a way that I'm enthralled by what he's saying, and I just can't hear enough. The service I'm giving, I have to have the proper facility. The kitchen has to be clean. All the utensils have to be there in their place and all the ingredients have to be on the shelf then I can do my service nicely then I have a taste for it so if the kirtan is good I have a taste if the speaker is excellent in presentation I have a taste if the deities that I'm worshipping is a gorgeous and all the all of the everything I'm worshipping with is perfect or if I'm dressing Everything is perfect. The outfit, all the jewelry, the wigs, everything is perfect. Then I'm pleased. I'm really getting a taste. Now, if those conditions aren't there, well, I don't get quite the taste I do when they are. Still talking about Ruchi, but the Ruchi is impelled by good conditions and there'll come a stage in the ruchi when the ruchi, the service, doesn't matter. I can cook down in the pits, covered in smoke, wearing a, a black dhoti. I went to a, I grew up in my devotional life in a community out in the, the middle of nowhere. And I was amazed at how the cooks could go to these muddy, there'd be, there'd be mud, they'd be standing in mud up to their ankles, they'd be cooking in these huge black vats, huge pots. They would be covered in, the, there would be wood fires underneath, they would be covered in soot. You could only see around their eyes. 
I'm sure I am not. Really. I'm a witness. And I'd always be amazed. How can they do their service like that? And they just be down there stirring these pots, you know, you know, just cooking away for, you know, 500 devotees. And there was no hot water to wash the pots. Oh, no, no, no. The pots were washed, were washed in the creek with, with uh, yeah, with stones or dirt. You have it very, uh, uh, very lucky. I'm pretty first word. <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're not. You're coming after the pioneer stage, but that's okay. You were probably there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, <laughs> so. Coming back for the locals. So, facilities. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. That's one stage of Ruchi. That really gives me the best taste. Later, doesn't matter. If somebody simply says Krishna during the class, oh, Krishna, I'm relieved. <laughs> wow, just to hear Krishna, just to hear some little pastime, even if they don't even know it right. Wow, they really got that wrong. And uh, I know it better than him, but... Wow, it just it sounds good. And wow, I had to cook lunch and there was nothing in the in the refrigerator at all. I don't even know what I but somehow Krishna let me make something for the devotees. So facilities or no facilities, that's another aspect that Vishwanath brings out in talking about Ruchi. With that, I will save uh, the last little touch of Ruchi taste before we walk into a sakti on Thursday evening for the next class. I've reached the end of my time. Does anyone have any questions? I have a question. Prabhupada sometimes talks about um, not recognizing the value of what we've got. We don't, even though we've been given Krishna consciousness and it's the most wonderful thing, or we've been given the practice to attain it, um, we don't really recognize what we've got. So, do we begin to recognize that at Ruchi? Do we we're a little bit beyond recognizing it. We're we're at relishing it. Okay. Recognizing it is is more talking about nista recognition. Recognition means want. I'm start. You start to recognize when you start to recognize how what you've been given by the spiritual master, what's the natural reaction? You become appreciative and appreciation is expressed in the Vaishnav through his utter and absolute humility. So the third verse of Sixosticum speaks to that stage of Nista. Trinata Pisani Jaina Trura Pisana Lauren is straw in the street so that would speak more to the appreciation. Mm-hmm. At Ruchi, it's 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 full on mm-hmm. tasting. Mm-hmm. So that's that's well beyond just appreciation. Does that okay. make sense? Mm-hmm. Anything else? Thank you for your association. Hare Krishna. Thank you.